I met Miguel in Tijuana sometime in the late 1980s, I think. We were in kindergarten together, so the photos go a bit further back than my memory does. We were in school together for the next nine years. Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., cops and robbers, birthday parties, school plays, P.E., Christmas pageants, first crushes, soccer at recess, walking home from school every day, sleepovers, puberty, voices cracking, nine years. We saw each other around in high school, but we were in different crowds now. He was in the morning shift, and I had landed in the much-hated but quite comfortable midday shift. I was on my own trip now, and none of my old friends were invited. It was music that brought us back together. We were both screwed out of concert tickets for a Tool and King Crimson show. We were 16. We could not imagine a greater tragedy. We made plans to hang out on the day of the show. I went to his house and discovered just how much we'd grown alike during the years we'd stopped hanging out. We'd started finding out more about music and that beautiful, all-consuming passion of discovering all of its genealogies at a time when word of mouth was more reliable than the internet. We also realized we'd both been discovering new worlds, interest in philosophy, psychology, religion, mysticism. There was a secret key to be found, and I just found a partner. In my mind, that was the day our true friendship was born. We had been friends up till now because life had randomly put us together. But now we wanted to be friends because of who we were, because of who we wanted to be. It was like finding out you could actually be best friends with a family member. Over the next couple of years, we were enrolled in the same community college in San Diego. Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., carpool across the border, go to class together, take the bus to the same shitty telemarketing job, band practice, weekends, bars, crushes, concerts, vacations, relationships, New Year's, gigs, heartbreak. And there was always extra time to climb out of my window and enjoy a heart-to-heart with a couple of beers on my roof. And... Like a brother, sometimes he really annoys me. This is rich, chocolatey goodness. I can hear something now. <laughs> I've been listening to you this whole time. <laughs> and then you came in like with an effect or something. Oh, no. Does it have that stupid robot voice? Yeah, I did at the beginning when you came in. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, Jesus. You're screaming. Uh... I'll try not to scream. Yeah, my thing is louder than yours. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll try to reduce my enthusiasm. Yeah, or just the volume on your microphone. Do you have that? Um. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. We've kind of already... You've fucked up so much already. <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> this is a fine show, man. This is a fine show. <laughs> broken every rule before we even started <laughs> so what's this about what am i doing first of all yeah another rule there's a lot of rules isn't yeah so what's the next rule uh no spanish god damn it we don't want to offend anybody these are it's it's tricky times well, the show already started, so... <laughs> what? This is the show already? Jesus Christ. Uh, welcome. What's up? Are you drinking something? Yes, I am. I'm drinking uh, aquí café de olla that I got from the local Mexican place around here y, and some agua. Can you say that in English? 
<laughs> drinking coffee. All right, thanks. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many of these shows have you done already so far? Um, I can't tell you. <laughs> Jesus, so many rules, so much, so many, so much like secrecy behind this. Did you read the second page of the rules? Don't ask me about the show. <laughs> <laughs> there was a second page. <laughs> no, it's because these are the these are the the episodes that I'm recording before anything goes uh, before anything gets put posted. Okay. So I don't know which one's gonna go first, or we, I might just throw this episode away. So this might be the first one. I think this is the surefire hit. Oh, well, we'll see. Uh, yeah, this, I'm not very good at starting. I, this, <laughs> You're a great <laughs> host. Fantastic. <laughs> this is, it's all right. I, I just started. I, I just opened a beer and, uh, and uh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Okay. All right. I hope so. Jesus, I was, I was uh, pretty hungover. It sucks. No, actually, yeah, me too. I was actually pretty hungover like uh, right now i just got out of the shower i'm feeling a little bit better the coffee's helping but yeah all right so like this is the perfect mood to catch up yeah shit I would, well, you know i should get a beer but it's too early for you yeah a little bit okay what, what did you what did you do last night um so there's this there's a um, there's a friend who just finished his phd and <laughs> i I just wanted to torture myself and go celebrate somebody else's achievements. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, did uh, this friend go to? Was he out and about with you too, or you were just out drinking? It was just me drinking, just complaining me. about him. <laughs> <laughs> that fucker finished his PhD. This motherfucker. <laughs> no, he's this American dude uh, that I met here. Um, pretty cool guy. Um, who we've I've kind of accidentally followed in his uh, path because I've had all the same jobs that he has had. Like, so I'm always like two positions behind. So he'll have a job, then he can't have any more because uh, you're not allowed to keep him for a certain amount of time. He'll yeah. quit and then somebody else will get hired. And then I'll come after that because we all keep passing along, passing the mm. information along. Uh, Does that so mean that so then you're going to be getting the PhD soon too? If you're like two steps in two behind? years, in two years, according oh. to that theory. <laughs> Good, because you're you're still you're working on your PhD, no? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think about it a lot. All right, that's step. That's that's part of the process. And uh, no, no, no. I, I I'm working on it. I'm working uh, more than before, less than I would like to. But that seems to be what everybody says. But then in your head, you know, when you hear somebody else say that, you say, "Yeah, but you don't know how bad I'm doing it." But I think everybody feels that. Right. But I really think they don't know how bad I'm doing it. But <laughs> but I don't know. Um, so you're out celebrating this guy's PhD, and then you got drunk. Yeah. And then I came home, and I had more beer, and uh, woke up feeling pretty shitty, mostly because I smoked a lot. I had I had managed to stop smoking. I was doing very good. Really? Cool. Well, two weeks ago, I allowed myself 
was like, ah, oh, fuck, I love smoking. I just enjoy it when I'm drinking. And I started smoking again when I drink. And, you know, it, it kinda, it's kind of like the, like the ant before winter time. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're drinking. <laughs> Let's get all the tobacco inside. Let's get it all in. Get it all in. Get it all in. We can. Yeah. Well, uh, how, when you say you stopped smoking, how, like, how, for how long? Uh, I don't know, a couple months. All right, good, cool. Let's start. Let's just start. Fuck you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking your lungs are probably super black already, man. Your blood, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like smoking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Because I'm like, I gave myself some time. So, uh, um, anyway, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what made me feel a lot shittier this morning because uh, I hadn't had one of those hangovers with a lot of smoking included. Mm. Um, <laughs> Man, so you were saying, wait, but wait, so you're working from home. What do you do again? What What are you working? I think last time you told me you were doing something about translating or no, not teaching English, right, or something. To yeah. like a bunch of like business people. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> yes. It felt so fucking good. Good, congrats. Yeah, and I started a new job. Doing what? Yeah, I was waiting for you to ask me. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds uh, like a great job. Well, I can't... Uh, I'm, uh, we have to start the show. We haven't started the show. And uh, so just before we get started, um, do you know the name of this show, right? I actually do not. I don't think I know the name Son of the show. Of bitch. It's, like, it's like rule number one, dude. <laughs> All right. So um, the name of the show is Rich Chocolatey Goodness. At the end of the show... I'm going to have you say that. You're going to sign off. Cool. And then everybody who's ever done the show is going to have their voice superimposed on yours. And each episode, we're having more and more voices until I'll have all of my friends saying rich chocolatey goodness at the same time. All right. So uh, <laughs> so now we're going to start the show. We have another... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can already see this show becoming a hit. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to go viral. Yeah. Speaking of viral, well, how's your cat doing? <laughs> <laughs> My cat, Esteban, is fine. He's the reason why I was delayed a little bit this morning. But he's okay. He just has, he's been having some uh, urinating problems. And, but that was it. Not, nothing, nothing to worry about. Just eat a specific diet. Thanks for asking. All right. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> urinating problems pissing problems yeah well i know i know but what kind of <laughs> <laughs> does he just like walk around with a constant leak or what <laughs> no that would be probably the the best choice for him right now no he can't pee that much so he's like going yeah. to the bathroom and he like only a little bit drops come out and then he's like frustrated as a psychologist uh what's your first impression of that, that he's having pissing problems and that he's frustrated about it. I think, you know, and I feel... Because if I came to you and I told you that... I would think it's something to do with your mom, probably. 
<laughs> some 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 kind of repressed childhood something. Yeah. <laughs> no, all right, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop that right in his tracks. All right, so. So is the show gonna start now? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> no, the show started a long time ago. But it, but it's still fun to start it in the middle or something like that. So uh, this helps me do the sound checks, and it's also fun. It pumps up the audience. Uh, it gets the juices going. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna say rich chocolatey goodness, and I'm gonna ask you to repeat it the second that I stop, and then the second that you stop, I'm gonna say it again, and we're gonna keep going on and on. Okay. For like 45 minutes, and that's the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds about yeah. No, but this helps me. I listen with, to that. This helps me with the with the. Well, that's not a good. Rich chocolatey goodness. What? <laughs> Was I supposed to say it now? <laughs> I like good, good enthusiasm. All right, yeah. So just one after the other. Rich chocolatey goodness. 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 All right. So on that down note, thanks a lot. <laughs> we can start. All right. What's up? Yo. <laughs> what do you want to talk about then? Um, well, welcome to the show. Mm, cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Anything for you. Well, what, what have you been up to? I mean, this this thing's just an excuse to catch up. It's just kind of awkward because we know we're recording, but the point is still just it's very to, awkward. What's going on with you? Well, do you, all right. So, what I've been working on throughout, you know, the last um, been year and a half out here now, back in New York, working, you know, doing my postdoc uh, here at Columbia. You know, still doing my training as a neuropsychologist, uh, doing both clinical work and research. Uh, you know, I've been doing Alzheimer's disease research and been working on that for like a while now. And, you know, just still, it's it's a lot of work. I've been busy pretty much every day, um, you know, just working out towards like, what's the next steps? Like, what, what am I doing next? And I'll probably, the plan is to probably stay there for a little bit longer. I'm going to be applying to some grants to try to um, stay, you know, keep doing research and seeing patients and all that good stuff. Would you stay as a postdoc or can you, like, how long can you stay as it? So the idea, so technically, yeah, because I'm a postdoc right now and I have my own funding right now. Like I have grants that are paying, like, I guess my position and I, that's covered, like that can go, I think up to like three more years or something. Uh, and so technically I can remain a postdoc like that for a while, but I'm applying, I'll be applying. So for uh, a K grant. And so, you know, here, you know, through the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, you know, there's a bunch of different uh, grant mechanisms. And so the one that I'll be applying to is called a K grant. Uh, I think people call it like a kangaroo grant because it's supposed to uh, help in your pathway to independence. And the way it works is <laughs> supposed to be five years. You know, the, the first two years, you're technically still a postdoc because it's like it's something to help you move from being a postdoc to a full-on independent scientist which are the last three years of the grant and so technically uh if i get that grant i'll be a postdoc for i guess two more years but then transitioning 
over to a faculty position somewhere, either here if they want to keep me or somewhere else, you know, if I can, because I can, at that point, I can take the grant with me somewhere else. Right. And you're thinking you want to stay there? Honestly, yeah. Yeah. I love New York. Uh, I love where I'm at right now work-wise. I think it's a great place. I love Columbia. I love the lab, everybody that I work with. It's fantastic. And just the resources that we that we have like available to us. It's, it's There's just a bunch of stuff to do. Like I don't see um, you know, running out of opportunities to do some cool stuff there. So if I could, I wouldn't mind staying. Like it would just depend and like I don't know where I'll be like in, you know, what like that would be like in three years from now, I guess. Like thinking, you know, like where 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 do I wanna be life wise? Like do I wanna still be living in New York? Do I you know, would I rather just go somewhere else if the cost of living is a little bit better? You know, what's my salary gonna be like? Um, all things, you know, equal, I would would love to stay here for sure. And also if I can keep up my clinical work, that's what I love about here at Columbia because it's the medical center. So I'm also seeing patients uh, and there's like a big need, uh, you know, to, for, for like a bilingual, you know, Spanish, English neuropsychologist because like the hospital is in the Heights, you know, and that's primarily, you know, the Dominican community. So, you know, everybody speaks Spanish and there really isn't currently a Spanish speaking neuropsychologist in the neurology service and so you know it's 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 been cool to to kind of help fill that need and i'd love to keep doing it sounds like a great sitcom (laughs) yes (laughs) in the heights (laughs) you're a doctor I was thinking like a sitcom crossed like with probably like Grey's Anatomy. It has to have like a little bit of drama in there, like hospital setting type drama. Pero con el doctor Arce. <laughs> That's cool. Because I remember we, a long time ago, uh, we were talking about New York and you were in that middle position where you weren't, sh- you were telling me how the city could be exhausting and you weren't sure if you were going to stay or, or going to start trying to figure out way out i don't remember any of that that doesn't sound like me um <laughs> yeah let's see you were crying on the floor <laughs> oh that time listening to john mayer <laughs> see, that's how i remember it i think that was like last week no shit no, no, it was I, a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Uh, I think you were probably, you had been in the city maybe for like three years at the most. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, it was, you know, this, it's a it's a tough city, you know, but it's fun, you know. So I feel I'm at a point, you know, that I think I was able to then eventually get a nice groove with the city and not necessarily, I feel like balanced now. Like, no, no, I love it here. This is the best city in the world. Well, I don't know. I, it is. Paris is pretty cool. Is that right? <laughs> when are you coming back? When are you gonna come back to visit, man? Um, I don't know, man. I really don't want to go. <laughs> no, I mean, I I want to see everybody, but I really don't want to go visit. There's so much shit to do here. Mm. Uh, may, maybe New York. New York makes a bit more sense because it's a uh, it's a uh, it's quicker. Well, that's what I mean. I don't mean go visit Tijuana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, see, I, I want to go there just so I can go eat. Yeah, man. Uh, 
Do you get any good tacos out there? Mm, only the ones I make. Yeah, yeah. I've been getting pretty good at cooking Mexican food. But no, I don't know. Maybe. See, that's the thing. If we do a trip over there, it's just one destination. So would I go to New York or would I go to Yucatan? I would much rather go to Yucatan. Yeah, no, totally. Go to Yucatan. But you can, can't you stop by here or something and like on your way to Yucatan? Um, I think there's direct flights Paris to Cancun. I don't know. I mean, it's still, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a, a plan I have, but Elise really wants to visit Mexico and obviously I want to take her there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I want to see everybody, but I really don't want to spend time over there. I don't really like the States. So, (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) So there's no point, there's really no point in going. What's up with, when's the last time you were in Tijuana? Um, like two weeks before I left. So 2015. Either late Damn. July or beginning of August, 2015. Yeah, and the only thing you miss is the food. Yes. And the, well, I guess, friends. Well, no, I mean, there's not that many people left in Tijuana. There's Beto. Um... <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's... <laughs> There's like Beto, Sosa, Juan, but it's still like Beto was the only one that I used to see often or semi-often. So right. even even like that, it feels kind of strange going back. So, yeah, But Marco, what, doesn't count because he's in San Diego? Yeah. All right. And I like San Diego even less. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. I find it boring. I know people get very excited because it's the beach and all that shit, but it's fucking boring and big. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. I totally agree. I'm like, I like, I like San Diego. Like, I think it. I like it. It's relaxed. But I'm like, nah, man. Like, I, I feel like I'd like to maybe retire out there if anything. But nah, like it, it, huh? Like it. What is there to do? Like, there's, I don't know. Like, well, there's stuff to do, but you know, like it's, eh, it's pretty boring. It's kind of go to Mexico. <laughs> exactly. Go to Tijuana. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Eat some pho. Word. Yeah, no, but I mean, uh, I'm I'm here, man. This is this. That's why I was asking you, because it's it's something that I that most most of my friends uh, have. You know, like we all left home. Yeah. And, uh, and you're kind of stuck in this new thing where you'll always be missing certain things about that other place, but you can't go back. You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't date a model and go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, exactly. No, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And I'm used to like also to like out here in New York, like I don't know, like a certain quality of life and a certain, um, like, como se dice, but like the mentality of you know people out here and the pace of the city and all that. I'm like, I, it'd be hard to kind of adjust to somewhere else right now, like where I'm at right now in my life. Like maybe when I'm older, I don't know. But, but up until now, I love it here. There's so much stuff to do, both, like, work-wise and, and, like, just personally. Like, there's a ton of fun stuff to do. How much stuff do you actually get to do personally? <laughs> not as much as I'd like to. Not as much. I'm not, I'm not being a dick. I, 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 because it's one <laughs> of the... You're not? Okay. 
Because <laughs> that, that was your funny. dick voice. That was... <laughs> <laughs> How much of a personal life do you have, me? <laughs> I have I have a fairly good, you know, it's like, it's been a, a, a balance, uh, you know, struggle. No, that's a, that's a big thing to try to figure out a work-life balance. Uh, but between, at least uh, on the weekend. Yeah, between <laughs> working and taking your cat to the vet. <laughs> dude, my cats, dude, are my babies. Got to take care of them. Um, no, because one of the one of the things why we always uh, like why Elise and I talk about the city. Is that I, I don't want to, you know, we have very different opinions because she grew up here. So for her, this is ordinary. And for right. me, this is the greatest, greatest city ever. And the cool thing uh, is that it's not as big as New York. So it's just, it's got right. all that intensity, but it's manageable. Like it's still a monster, but it's, you, you could, if you put enough effort, you know, you could go through it. And uh, it's, it's not going to remain this unknown beast where you, understand that you will only get to know a little corner it still is like that but it's just less uh, you know what i mean less daunting uh so i could i would very very happily stay here forever but the cost of living is just, it's impossible there's no way we can have kids here like it's just yeah. impossible unless we yeah, move to the no. outside to so the outskirts and then and then i don't want to do that because that'd be like like uh, if you work in LA and then I don't know, I'm not gonna make an example. Like you're commuting from yeah. Yeah, there's no point in and then like having the struggle of working in a big city while having none of the benefits of of living outside. So in that case, I I would just rather move. And then one thing that I keep saying is that well, yeah, we have everything here, but then I think like what what do I do with all that everything <laughs> besides think about it. <laughs> because I'm, I'm busy i don't have i don't really have a lot of time to so my my thing about there being everything in paris is just i get to walk around and that makes me happy right just walking around uh i don't know I, little things like for example the fact that you could drink on the street I, it's something very nice to be able to go to a party <laughs> uh walk back <laughs> it's this beautiful city uh that's enough for me and there's the option of the opera and all that shit that i never do it's there but right but for example you know that about you know just thinking about the things you can do in the city and but not really doing it because you're too busy like but do you think that's because like you're working towards something you know because like your guys are still kind of like building your life no like do you think there'll be a point where like i guess you'll be more established in i don't know like a career like your work and that kind of stuff and yet her too you know and then and then that do you think might give you a little bit more freedom to do more stuff you know in the city explore the things or not or do you think it's always going to be like this i hope there is but i don't think so because i made the mistake of studying humanities <laughs> <laughs> so uh i'm being realistic that's that's like the big, uh, the big um, catalyst for this whole podcast was that the stress of like, what the fuck is happening to my life? What am I doing? And the need, <laughs> yeah, and, and the need to to one, it was the need to just create something because I was feeling very, um, I was very frustrated that any of the things like, let's say, quote unquote, artistic, 
I'm not trying to pretend that it's art, but just saying like creative things. Uh, I was getting frustrated that I couldn't produce things fast enough, either because of time or money or whatever. And I said, I want to do something. I want to have something concrete. So that was one thing. And the other was just that I, I missed. I, I need to talk to my friends. I need to know how you're doing. I need to compare. I need to hear like, because like I hear you doing so good. And there's a little thing inside me that goes like, fuck, like what did I do wrong? Like I, I, I mean, you've worked fucking harder than probably any of us have. So I, rem <laughs> I remember, I remember those days at Southwestern College. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been fucking hustling my fucking ass for a while, man. I've been hustling. But, but what do you mean? But what do you mean? Like, where did you go wrong? What are you talking about? What? You said, like, you know, you see me doing well, and then you're like, oh, where did I go wrong? What are you talking about? Well, I mean, I've talked about about this uh, on other episodes. So, so just go back. <laughs> go back. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait till you're in. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, um... <laughs> Well, it's just I don't have a path. That's the thing. There's nothing that I can build. That's what's frustrating. So it just feels like I'm doing a lot of hard work uh, without without it going anywhere. It's just hard work to get by. It's it's because right. as a like a as a teacher, like there's really no moving up. There's no next step. So the amount of hard work that you put in is just the amount of hard work that you have to do. But like, what happened though? Like, what you you used to have like plans, no? Like, you I always know. had like, for example, with the creative stuff. Like, for example, you always wanted to be like a writer, you know? Like, that was a big thing of yours, not to, to write, and you're good at it. And what happened? You know, like, why why aren't you writing? Like, why, why you should like, don't you have a goal or something like that? Like, a, I don't know, like some kind of book that you want to publish, or I don't know. So I was writing. Um, I, I had managed to get into the problem is always discipline. Yeah, I had I had managed to get into a actually that's one of my notes something that you did. Uh, I remember that one Christmas couple, well not a couple, many years ago you bought me you bought me a, a recorder <laughs> yeah. that was very sweet. Oh yeah, because I kept saying like it's just I get the idea at the moment. Just, I believe in those stupid writer smiths, you know, like I, I get the idea at the moment, and if I don't get it right then and there, it's just lost and it just vanishes, and uh, that. I understood later that no, it's just discipline. If you write, if you force yourself to write enough, you can find that again. But you got me that recorder, and I ended up recording tons of ideas that I never wrote down. <laughs> Good okay. ideas. So I enabled you from <laughs> I enabled you from not doing any real writing. Well, no, because you showed you you took away the excuse from my hands. So, oh my, yeah, take so, that. So it was good. Plus, it was a very sweet gift. Yeah, that's nice. I don't. Yeah, I didn't even remember that. That was many years ago. No, we were we were, we were still living in California, right? Uh, I guess. I think in Tijuana. I was living in Tijuana. Huh? Yeah, yeah, right. I was still at the house. Cool. And I, I actually I brought the recorder here. It's one of the you know, one day I'll get, I'll do something with those ideas. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean about the discipline with the writing, dude. Because that's something I've been struggling. That's like my biggest weak spot now. Because so. In this gig you now that I have, you know, both as a scientist and as a clinician, you know, especially as a scientist, though, it's like 
they don't really teach me, you know, us, you know, when you're in grad school and that kind of stuff, really to a strong degree that could do it. I'm a writer too. You know, like that's actually a big, big, big fucking role of our jobs, you know, as, as scientists, you know, because we have to write things to publish, you know, all our science and we have to, it's a lot of writing, man. And it's like, I don't, I did not have that discipline at all. Um, I didn't think of myself as a good writer whatsoever. Obviously it's different kind of writing than what you do, you know, what you're interested in, but it is, there are a lot of things that are still similar, no? Cause I have to, basically when you're writing a, a research paper, it's like, it's a story, you know, and you're trying to make it in a way that's captivating, you know, explaining why you did this, you know, research, you know, and, and your results and why they're meaningful. And it has to read, you know, well and interesting. And my God, man, like, it just takes so much to like sit down and write all that stuff, you know, plus you're writing grants as well. And then for me, I'm writing my patient reports clinically. And, and exactly. And so like, I've been trying to force myself, like thinking about like, what do writers in general do in this? Like, it's that right about like, if I just force myself to write, try to write like every day, I don't know, like give myself an hour, I guess a day to try to force myself just to put anything down, you know, that eventually helps to just get into the habit of writing. I don't do that. <laughs> it's something I want to do, you know, yeah, but oh, God damn, I get it, man. Like it's, it's a struggle. Well, I got two things to say about that. One, uh, I had a friend in Santa Barbara who was uh, uh, doing a PhD in education, and she actually started a program specifically with that uh, problem, with that idea in mind, which is teaching people in uh, teaching people in the sciences how to write because of that big vacuum. That this totally. Like, well, you're a mathematician. Go tell me what math is. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> And it, nobody, nobody trains those people to do that. I mean, and that even happens in the humanities. Just because you study humanities doesn't mean that you could write a good research paper. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, so so there's stuff like that being done in Spanish. If you want, I could send you some links. I don't know if you're interested. Maybe that'd be more like something you could incorporate once you're teaching or that you could pass on to if you have interns or shit like that. Um, yeah, no, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. Could send you some links for that, and then um, the other thing uh, about writing, you could always just drink. That helps. Ah, <laughs> uh, not with me, man. Like actually, not. Like as soon as I start drinking and I'm right, I'm like, I'm like, well, why am I doing this? I'm gonna go do something fun. <laughs> I just do anything else. So that's so that's exactly what happened to my novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a very good rhythm where I, there's this bar that I love in my street, and. So when I had the first job that I had when I got here, that that was the fucking best job of my life. And uh, I had a lot of free time and decent money. So I, I would just go to the bar and write. And from one to three beers, it was nice. Just free writing, no filter. Just go, 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 go. Edit later. Edit the next day. Yeah. And that's that's the best thing to do. Just not, don't hold yourself back. Totally. But then that gets fucking expensive, man. You can't. <laughs> yeah. then once you start having a bit too much fun, then it's no longer about writing. And then uh, and then you get a kebab because you're hungry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah. have to cook. And then the next day you don't get up that early, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, so I had a good I had a good rhythm going with that. And I wrote some stuff that I'm very proud of, but it's still pretty loose. It's nothing that I that I could put out on its own. Why? 
because it's all part of a giant story. I just fuck, man. This is my problem with everything. I can't start. <laughs> you, you, I can't start the fucking show. You saw how long it took us to start the. the <laughs> bad at starting once once things get going uh like I, I could do it and so it's the same thing like i can't start a story without explaining everything and i end up just like telling the story of my life you know to explain why i chose that flavored gum or whatever and uh <laughs> so i had this story that I, that i was telling and it became some sort of like tristam shandy thing where i, I could never get started and whatever came out of that, I, I actually really liked because it became this sort of therapy that I had because it was at the time when I had just arrived. I didn't speak French. I had one friend and, uh, you know, I was going through some sad moments. Things, even at the beginning, things were kind of rough with Elise because it was like a bit too much pressure, you know? Yeah. And... uh Because all of my... I mean, I knew what was going on, so I was doing my best not to unload my the need the responsibility for my happiness on her but at the same time i had nothing so it was it was a tough couple of months and that was my therapy because i would just sit down and talk shit to myself and it was like a dialogue between the different people in my head and just like back and forth like you worthless piece of shit you think you're a writer <laughs> you're nothing look at you oh you come here all you do is come here and get drunk and scribble on your stupid notebook playing the part of the writer in a Paris cafe. You're nobody. <laughs> Just like fucking hard, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's damn, man. And then, and then, but wait, and then, so but what, what happened then, you know, but you were writing, you were doing it. And then, and then what happened? I, I don't know. I lost a little bit of the discipline. A lot of it changed when I changed jobs. So that meant I had less money and then I couldn't keep up with that expensive writing routine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, sure. And then with that lack of money, that meant, I mean, that's, it's still just an excuse because there's time. I waste a lot of time on the internet. Uh, I could not be doing this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but with, uh, with, with changing that job, it meant that I had to take on a lot of different jobs because I couldn't find just one job that would cover everything. So at some points I was juggling three or four jobs or three jobs and some, uh, um, independent stuff like working from home so even if i wasn't busy like non-stop from eight to five or eight to eight it's still the mental organization that that demands claro, of course it, yeah. it, it takes up over totally. your entire day totally even if you do have free moments in between and that kind of stopped it and uh so i found some outlets like the mime class that that shit was beautiful <laughs> i know it sounds <laughs> Was it though? Like it's yes. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you felt that way. <laughs> I mean, you you remember how like how nervous I used to get on stage? I'm not a stage type of guy. <laughs> what you nervous? No. <laughs> remember the first shows? Like I was just fucking shaking. Like I can't do it. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, but yeah, but so but when you were saying you you were taking all these different jobs, um, but they were you said to cover the bills, right? Yeah, yeah, just to be able to survive, no? Yeah, I mean, quote unquote, I don't want to play the victim and like, oh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm living in Paris by choice, so we could just move 
somewhere else. But I'm paying the price. Dude, no one's saying to no, live in no the city. No one's saying, yeah, but that's fine. That's nothing to like excuse or anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's tricky. Like with that, because I do think, for example, like earlier when we we're talking about like the balance and feeling that there's too much to do in the city, and you know, I don't, we don't have time. I honestly also feel a big issue for me. Besides, yeah, I'm too busy, but I do think the biggest, biggest thing is that I'm too broke. You know, that I don't make a lot of money right now. You know, that I'm hoping once I get like a real job, you know, I'm, I'm a faculty somewhere that I'm getting paid well. I think that would help that you know, be able to go out and you know, do more stuff besides, you know, because like how you're saying right now, you know, like it takes a lot of energy, God damn, just to figure out, you know, how to survive. No, like, man, it's just, ah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. too much. And again, the, I mean, these, it's, these are nice problems to have, but, uh, exactly. But, it, but yeah, it, it becomes a bit overwhelming. Uh, but see, so that you hit on something that's, it's, that's what, the thing that I'm looking for with everybody that I'm talking to is that there was a moment when I was okay thinking like that because I was young. So I thought, thinking uh, like what? well, saying like once I get a real job, you know, because I'm, yeah. I'm just a kid and then there's the adults over there in the real world and I'm just a dude doing any job just enough so I could party and have a good time. Uh, and then there was mm -hmm. the adults who could afford concerts i'm not even thinking about cars or houses or anything like that just the adults that could afford a fancy restaurant more than once a month right and then what happened was that i don't know it got to the point where that excuse is no longer valid it's not about the adults because now i see people younger than me doing that and that's where i started going yeah. like wait so so what the hell happened i thought it was just a matter of waiting you just put in the the time and then it just kind of happens and you're old and you have the life And, uh, and apparently not. <laughs> and I have been working. I mean, yes, I've been, I've enjoyed life, but I also haven't been extremely lazy. Uh, you know, I've studied, I've worked. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody would say that you've been lazy, dude. I don't think so. Well, you should read my novel. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is like, you haven't been really been working you know, in something or in some kind of, I don't know, job with the goal that you're going to keep working there and it'll keep going somewhere, no? Like you've been just getting jobs to kind of survive that you like, that they're great, but nothing that really is really putting you on a path, no? Right. So that's so that was the thing. The the First, it was a PhD, and that was a problem that I had that in my head since I was like 15, and that was the path. And then when I started it, the first one in California uh, mm -hmm. and I quit. I, I was just so disillusioned by, by the academic world. Right. I, I can't say the academic world by what I saw because I had these like fucking Greek ideals of the university, the academy and all that shit. And it didn't match up with that uh, where it didn't match up with what I wanted it to be. Um, So then once I decided to quit that, I was fucking left in the air. Like I don't, I, That had been my plan for a long time, and I didn't know what else I was supposed to build towards. So when I got here, it was a fucking dream, man. I mean, I was at a university in Paris, and I, I got to teach literature to master's students. Dude, those, those were like two 
fucking beautiful years where I, I wrote the syllabus of my dreams, you know? Yeah. It, it, was, it was fucking beautiful. So I, I can't complain. I lived that. I Like, I was given the chance of, you know, by some luck, I was able to jump a couple hurdles and end up at that spot without having to do all the other extra work, except that it could only last those two years. And it was great. But I don't know if if I want to keep along that path. Like I, I, I started a new PhD, but that's more for like the passion of that particular project. I'm not keeping any illusions in my head because I've seen how much work it takes just to maybe be given the chance of get a, getting a ticket to the lotto, you know? Uh, and uh, No, I have no idea. What do you mean? What, what? Like, what's too much work? What is? Um, like doing the PhD, going to like conferences, like it's not the same when you're doing it in science because you're actually doing research. Right. But it's just like, but it's this constant thing where you have to be there. You have to be seeing, you have to make connections. I mean, that makes sense. It's, it's a job. It's all right. But the success rate, uh, the amount of time, if you look at other people that are doing PhDs, I look at the people that I know. Mm, I'm not sure I want that life. I don't see a lot of happy people. Or if they are, they're happy being there by sacrificing family life, which I, which for me is the, the priority. So I'm not doing this PhD with the illusion of, uh, of becoming a full professor in France. That's like a fantasy. If it happens, cool. If I can manage to get a job at a, at a, at a lower end school, you know, I would be okay. I'm not aiming all the way up. That's why I aimed high in terms of the university to get accepted in. So it'd be, make it easier to get the other type of job. Does that make sense? Yeah, because like, so like, because what, what, what do you want to do with this PhD though? Like what, what, what would be an ideal? For example, you really liked teaching at that school at the beginning when you write, when you moved out there, like, is that like, would you, would that be your ideal setting? Like just to go back to that and be able to teach that class, those classes? Yes. If I could teach literature, I would be a very, very happy man. But just looking at the numbers, the number of people that graduate each year from the same degrees and uh, the fact that it's Paris. So you're going to have the biggest competition here. You see, like you see all these brilliant people who take jobs in the middle of nowhere because some university is paying them. I, that's not my, it's not my jam. That's not what I'm going to do with my life. Well, well then what is then? All right. So then what, I don't what do you know. Do? Well, Cause obviously you don't like that enough. Or, or it sounds like you're also you're a little bit maybe like too afraid to commit to that. Like, you know, you know, yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be competitive. So what? But if you're liking it, like just keep doing it and then stop until you can't do it anymore or something like you, you, you're like you're limiting yourself way before you're actually in that position. Like you're already thinking about the job you may not get because so many people are graduating with a degree at that. You're like, you're not at that point yet. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, worry about that when you're there. Right. But I'm like, just keep doing it if you like it. Yeah. But the thing is that I'm not like, I don't have a, I don't have funding. So that means that like every year that I'm in the PhD, it's like exponential that I'm not making connections. I don't go to events. I don't go to conferences. I don't do any of that stuff. And I've already seen it happen with some, um, in-house scholarships where I have like, I have been refused 
on some very stupid terms. And I know that it's inside politics, or I assume that it's inside politics because you mean be because you're not networking, because you're not doing that work, uh, that you don't get these awards? Yeah. But why aren't you known in the department? Well, because I don't have time to go go to every, like every time somebody thinks up of a silly paper to write and you have six people there not really listening. <laughs> I don't have time to go to all those events because I have to work. Mm-hmm. And even if I had time, any time that I spend at one of those little conferences, I could be at the library doing research. So I don't do those things. So therefore, I'm not known in the department. And I this is, they kind of see me like I'm doing it for, as a hobby or some weird shit like that without acknowledging the fact that I'm working harder than them. You know, like I'm doing that and something else. Uh, and it gets annoying. But you do kind of make it sound like you're doing it as a hobby, though. You did just say right now, you're like, I'm not doing it to get like in the a field and to get like a professor job and to be attending conferences. I'm just doing it because I, I'm passionate about the project. Right. Well, no, that's... Which in a way sounds like a hobby. Well, that's that's just me being realistic. Um, I, that is what I want. But I'm being... I don't want to get that disappointment because I think that that's the realistic expectation. That's still my aim. I'm still going to do that. Um, otherwise, do I would what? Just, well, finish the PhD and apply for work and do all oh, of yeah. that. But because um, my life would be a lot easier if I took away that giant <laughs> load off my shoulders and just worked full time at some other stuff. But I have to be realistic that I'm I'm starting I'm starting from a negative uh, part, and then every year that goes by, I'm, like the other people are getting further and further ahead of me. Like the distance between us is greater and greater. So I'm just being realistic. I can't. I don't think I can do a hundred percent commitment, given the circumstances. I think I have to be smart, and keep other options open. And that's why I say that, you know, like I'm not gonna do that. That would be the dream, yes, and I'm gonna try it. But I have to keep another thing open because I'm, I'll finish what at forty, and uh, and then and then what if that doesn't work? It's kind of late to start a new thing. You'll be finishing your PhD at forty. Well, it's supposed to take three years, but obviously it doesn't. So average, it's five. Okay. But then there's always that moment. There's like at least a one year in between where nothing happens. Uh. Things are getting really weird with education here. There seems to be like this big reform coming. Uh, I think they're going to try to start copying the American system, which is terrifying. No. They just announced like because I pay uh, 380 euros for the year for the PhD. Wow. Which is fucking beautiful, man. Wow. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, but I don't go to class. It's not, it's like the classes are just administrative. I don't go to class. All I have to do is research. So I'm basically paying for the right to the library and the benefits that I get from that access to journals, you know, speaking with my director, all that stuff. But they're going to raise it next year to 3,700 for people out from outside the European Union. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I'm okay. I think it's only for the new, for people that have not started yet. But still, that's like the first step in a big, big, big reform. Because there was some other big stuff happening. Right. The year before, uh, last year, 
and I was teaching at one of the universities where all the protests were going on. Uh, so yeah, but anyway, so, so you're saying that, you know, that you can't really like excel in your career right now because of your financial, you know, responsibilities, you know, because you have to work to help, you know, pay your bills, you know, and that kind of stuff. And because of that, you can't attend all these things that will help you, you know, secure a job. Exactly. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. There isn't anything you can do, like talk, you know, with with your wife about like, I don't know, like getting some, you know, financial support, like, you know, having her take more of the, the load so you can focus, I don't know, a year or something, the halas or something like that. Not, that that's, that's not a possibility. Um, we could do that definitely if we moved out of Paris because she would get the same salary. But then that would mean she would have to commute into Paris. I would have to commute into whatever part-time job I took here or if I didn't work or whatever. Um, so we have talked about it. She has kind of offered it. Um, yeah. I'm afraid of putting all my eggs in one basket at this age, you know? I yeah. I feel I feel like it's even even though it's stupid to to do things half like at half intensity, I have to try different things. That I like I don't want to give up with the photo stuff. The so the writing for example, that was my initial dream and then somehow out of nowhere, I don't know how this photo thing started happening and I started realizing that I was good and that's where I realized that I'm really mm-hmm. That I, I think that's where I really am me, like, you know, where things are coming out that I'm very proud of. Cool. So that's the thing that I would like to. But anyway, to close to close this subject, um, based on a conversation I had with uh, Alex, Alex Romo from Tijuana. Uh-huh. Yeah. Precisely about this thing, about being the type of person that doesn't follow a straight path, that jumps around a lot. And he had this very smart way of thinking about it. Like, well, you just have to figure out that you are this type of person and then find a place where they appreciate that type of person. And I was like, all right. So I applied for a job at a tech company and I got it. And that's where I'm working now. Nice. Cool. All right. <laughs> Good. What are you doing? So it's very, uh, it's very, very basic, and I think I, I, I'm slightly outside of the hierarchy, but I'm going in like full head. Like I'm going in with all my energy. I'm gonna get noticed. I'm gonna go to all the meetings that I can during work. You know the things that I can't do <laughs> at the university, um, because it's a lot less risk here, and I can afford to try it. Right. So out there, for example, I'm taking a pay cut. Alisa is going to be helping cover the extra stuff. Um, but it, I'm not teaching. So that means when I'm off the clock, I'm off the clock, which is something you don't get when you're teaching. There's always stuff in your head. Right. So this is going to give yeah. you more time for research, um, which means I will finish. I will be able to finish faster than if I had continued teaching. And, uh, and I'm also going to be trying this. So I'm going to be trying both at 50-50 working as hard as I can to get noticed because like there's, there's things that, that I, like, I don't want to like brag, but there's things that I keep telling myself, like, it's not, I don't like the word fair, but like, it's not, it's not right. I can do a lot of things. I speak, I speak four languages now that should count for something. <laughs> there should be something I could do with that. Yeah. You know, I shouldn't have to be like scraping by 
no, you're a very talented person, dude. I think you're your own worst enemy, man. Like you'll, you know, be obviously life situations for real. You know, there are obviously limitations, but I do, you know, I sense, you know, you're hesitant sometimes, and you're like afraid of things, and and because of that, you know, or, or like you say, like the lack of discipline, and then you like stop yourself and like then go another route, or 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 or, or, or you know, or just cut, you know, prepare yourself for the worst before you're doing that so i'm glad to hear that yeah dude you're mad talented dude there's a bunch of shit you can do just fucking haul ass yeah well that's my that's my plan and i'm fucking like cool dude i'm so fucking happy like i'm drinking the the startup (laughs) kool-aid it's insane man i was on uh, on friday like i wanted to go to work (laughs) (laughs) thursday night i was like oh man I, I started on Wednesday and Thursday night I was like, oh, I get to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, man. Everybody is happy. Everybody like smiles and there's people clap all the time. And <laughs> on Friday, I took candy that I had at home and I put it on my desk with a little post-it that said, help yourself. <laughs> and I meant it. <laughs> Like, I meant it. It wasn't... <laughs> like, you weren't being sarcastic or anything. No, no, no. I wasn't being, like, like ironic about the startup thing. Like, it's fucking contagious. Like, it, it's just... I'm still... I, I got a better pimp. That's it. Yeah. Like, I'm still clear that I'm... That somebody else is using my talent to make more of a profit. But daddy's taking care of me now. <laughs> you know, not like... <laughs> not like before. <laughs> And so, like, what are you doing at the at the at the startup? What's your job? Uh, it's whatever stuff needs a human to to correct it, and then writing reports and all that. It really is like the bottom. But, but that's okay, dude. That's where you start. That's good. Yeah, no, no, no. And and like when I went in there, I went there thinking like, oh, I got hired for a you know, it's just a simple job. But once I was inside, I realized like, oh shit, no, they probably interviewed a lot of people, and they hired me like. Like they offered me the job like at the moment of the interview, and I was like, "Oh shit! Like I did something good. Like I, I I earned something good." And like in the last like since Wednesday, dude, my perspective, like I've been so today I've been a little down because I was hungover, but I was hungover because I was so happy last night. Uh, <laughs> like this is like I I, <laughs> I got the city back. You know that feeling when I got here, like I fucking strut around the city. Even though I'm making less money, like I fucking earned it, you know. I'm 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 doing something. Uh, it feels good to come home and do a little bit of research, even if it's tiny spurts. Uh, you know, uh, it feels good. It feels good. Yeah, I'm happy for you, buddy. That's cool. Yeah, thanks. I needed to unload all of that, and uh, especially with you. Good man. No, I'm glad I'm that you sound pumped. That's good, man. Just keep keep that going right you know and if and if it, if you lose steam a little bit you know figure out why and, and then just keep pushing forward well and also the good thing is that the uh like in terms of creativity this is really helping me and i'm very happy the mo- the main point of this is just having a, a you know just catching up with all of you because it's it's annoying that we don't get to do it that often yeah so it's really crazy that the fact that once you make it official like this and, you know, you get an intern to email your friends, people that, <laughs> <laughs> people get excited and they actually, like, we could have been doing this all along, but you, you never take the time to have a two-hour conversation. And it's nice. Um, 
but two this is hours. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still have you for another hour. Didn't you read the uh, rule number one? Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> uh, these rules. Uh, but no, the the the, the create, creative juices are flowing. It's opening up. Uh, I mean, mm, the, that sounds sexy. <laughs> the job <laughs> of the tech company is a direct result of the very first episode I recorded. You know, like Alex got me thinking. I was like, oh shit, you're right. And I went and applied for work, and uh, you got it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> direct result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now I I met this I met this cool guy. And uh, we've been uh, drinking and talking. We decided that we're going to try and write a movie. No, we're not going to try. We're going to write a movie. Yeah, exactly. Make a movie. Do it. Even if it's shitty. And the whole point is just making it so that we have something to show so that we can ask for more money the next time. So yeah, working on that, working on a comic book with Alex also. Yeah, a comic book. Yeah. So you like comic nice. books? I'm fucking laugh. I love comic books. That's why I'm like, what are you? Like, you should have started the podcast with that. Like, I don't care about <laughs> anything else. <laughs> Stupid startup. <laughs> Talk to me about the comic book. Yeah, it's not your type of comic. It's a smart. It's a smart book. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. Fuck you. <laughs> I read all kinds of comics. You have no idea what you're talking about. Graphic novels, buddy. There's no men in tights in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Man, something, I don't think I've told you this, something that's helped me, you know, focusing with work and, and that kind of stuff is Ritalin. I have a prescription for Ritalin, buddy. Oh, and? Yeah. I've had it for like a few months now, actually. I think I had it when maybe in the summer, I think I started uh, taking it. I was able to, like, I, I went to go see a psychiatrist. Um, Because honestly, I've actually, I've always had some concerns. I've always thought, um, the, not, you know, ADHD, you know, there's, you know, different types of ADHD. There's the hyperactive type, which, you know, we all remember our friend, which is obviously that, uh, but then there's also the inattentive part, you know, where it's just hard to pay attention and like keep your attention focused and that kind of stuff throughout grad school. Like, I, well, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've realized I've always kind of really had a really hard time with that. Like, forever i think you might too a little, a little bit but um like quite a bit like forever but the only thing is obviously well you know i'm smart so i was able to uh compensate for it you know because i would just do well in school and you know keep going up until i started to actually you know be an adult and kind of like have to live life that i started to notice like oh shit like i'm have i'm struggling way too hard to keep up compared to like my peers and that kind of stuff. And throughout grad school, people would tell me that, that they're like, <laughs> some of my, my friends in, in grad school, they were like, I think, I think you, you, you may have ADHD, man. Like you can't focus for shit. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Well, and they're all, they're all psychologists. So <laughs> no, exactly. No. And it, it mostly came from the pediatric neuropsychologists or the pediatric psychologists. Cause they're the ones that specialize in that even more, you know, on evaluating attentional problems. And so they were the ones telling me, and so I was like, shut up. What are you talking about? And I didn't really believe it. No. Um, and then, you know, a close friend of mine kept mentioning it to me often. And then, then I started to notice you know, that I'm like, oh shit, like once I paid more attention to people around me, you know, like I would know, like, for example, I remember, <laughs> I remember like last two years ago when I was in LA during internship, 
I remember my my co-intern, you know, he we shared an office that I always found it incredible that he could just sit and work. I'm like, how does he do that? I'm like, I can't do that. I would sit. Fucking maniac. <laughs> exactly. Like freaks and my nature, wife bro. does that, dude. She just fucking sits down and works all day. It's like, what the fuck? How do you like how do you, how do, that? you do that? Like I have like 20 tabs open at the same time. <laughs> exactly. You know, and so and then the thing is, for example, with me, by that point, I kind of already noticed that, and but I didn't want to take like medication or anything like that. So then I forced myself to like you know, well, as a psychologist, you know, kind of do behavioral interventions, you know, to work on my discipline, you know, for example, set like rules, like I, I would always put my phone away, like I would hide it, I have uh, these kind of blocks on my, on my uh, uh, computer, no, where like, I can't have many tabs open. And, you know, all these different things to like limit myself, you know, to be able to do that. And it was still really fucking hard, you know, because also it, for, it was just like, I can't sit still, like I'm sitting, I start to write and then I get distracted and then I just want to do something else and I get up and I move, you know, and then, and I don't notice it until kind of like I'm in it. It's like, Oh shit. Um, and so like that kind of just kept happening. And then, you know, and to be honest, and I remember back in the day, uh, being a kid actually, and with you guys, I think especially like I noticed it a little bit, I noticed it with you, I think a little bit too, but mostly I think with Marco, cause I remember when we were kids, I always found it really weird that I felt that you guys finish your homework a lot faster than me. And I always thought that I was like, uh, I, I always thought that you guys were fast, you know, not that I was slow, you know, because I remember, I remember especially like even in college or not, not college, like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think it must have been college time. Uh, I, I remember like I would just, you know, hang out with Marco and Marco would say, you know, like, I don't know, we both had something to do, you know, like, I don't know, you have to write an essay or something. And like Marco would be like, all right, you know. Well, let's go do that. You know, let's meet like in an hour, I guess, and we'll play you know video games. And in my mind, I'm like, in an hour, like what the, what the hell are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? Right, you would do the same thing to me. Like Marco would actually like, yeah, I'm just gonna write an outline for my essay, and then after the outline's done, you the essay's done. <laughs> like what are you talking? Yeah, no, like an outline. What the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, and I remember all those things, and even being younger as a little kid too, like in elementary, I just remember also being like struggling that i was think it was weird like why are all the other kids already outside playing soccer you know when i'm like still trying to finish this stupid fucking homework you know and i spoke about this with marco when i'm when i went back like in october uh, to tijuana and san diego um and he mentioned that he did remember that he always hated doing work with me because it would take longer because <laughs> it was just because i would just get distracted and i would just do other things and 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 so the point is, like, and then especially, you know, like, and then seeing my peers in school, you know, in grad school, on internship and postdoc, and seeing that people don't struggle that much, you know, like, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of things that discipline, there's a lot of things that's the behavioral things that you can change. But sometimes it's a little bit more than that, you know, and so I was struggling a lot in my first year on, on postdoc, you know, especially because, yeah, obviously, there's just the, the workload is the most intense I've had in my life. Um, but it just obviously didn't help that I just can't fucking sit and write, you know, or stay focused on something. And so I went to go see a psychiatrist. I told him basically all my symptoms and that kind of stuff. And he agreed and he gave me a prescription for Ritalin and my God, it changed my life. <laughs> it's been incredible to be on Ritalin. I'm much more focused. I still have, you know, there's some stuff that's just difficult, but for example, what's, what's different now is that now, 
I can tell when I'm like, all right, you know, like there's just not enough hours in the day that I know it's, I have too much work than what I can actually do with my time. But I'm happy with that, you know, because, because I knew like I worked my ass off for eight hours, you know, like, or more at work, you know, whereas before it was like, shit, all right, I've been at work for like eight hours or 10, but like, how much did I really work during those hours? Not a lot, right? Because I'm getting distracted and shit and I have a lot of work. So obviously that just made my stress and anxiety worse. But now mm-hmm. with Ritalin, I can sit and I'm working. I'm like legit focused and working. And I'm getting shit done. And then let's say now I'm like, all right, it's six o'clock. I'm like, all right, I didn't finish everything. But I'm like, hey, I worked the whole day. And so I don't feel at least bad about it. Because I'm like, all right, I actually, but I worked. I just have too much work. And then that's fine. Can we get Ritalin to sponsor this episode? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, dude, like stimulants. That's where it's at, man. What type of of drug is it? Because I... I don't remember if it was Ritalin or Adderall because I had a friend that had a prescription for it in grad school and uh, I took it and it was just fun. And because I always had that secret hope that like maybe that's what's wrong with me and this will make me focus. Mm-hmm. And I just took it and I just enjoyed the fucking amphetamines. Like, ah, look at the light rays coming in the window. It gave you more energy. I mean, it gave me energy like fun drugs do. It, was, it wasn't like a focus and write your papers. I wrote some very uh, passionate papers. Uh, <laughs> okay. But the way I would if I was high, not the way I would if distractions had been taken out of my environment. Well, they're both kind of similar in, the, in, in terms of class. But yeah, Adderall is the amphetamine. And, and, and Ritalin is like an amphetamine-like. So it's, a, it's called methylphenidate. That's what Ritalin is. Um, and they both act kind of in a similar way, but actually I've, I actually, I, before I moved, um, <laughs> before I moved to, I think this is fine to share. I don't care. So before I moved to LA, uh, when I was out here in, in New York and I was trying to wrap up my dissertation, uh, I was, I tried Adderall. I had a friend that you know, provided me with some Adderall and it was amazing. Cause like for me, it, it doesn't like, it didn't give me energy. If anything, it stopped me. Like I took it and I just sat down and worked you know and i remember at that time too like i remember like gina had mentioned you know that she would always kind of laugh when she would see me work because i would be like squirming on my seat a lot and moving shaking around but the moment i took adderall i was just sitting doing work you know and i didn't feel rushed i i just felt calm you know like i almost i almost felt like it was like like i don't have anxiety anymore i just felt calm and with riddle and i basically feel the same way it has a less of a kick Adderall had a more of a punch to it. Ritalin, oh, yeah. rid, Ritalin, but the punch was like a punch was a bit like a calming punch. It's like, like this wave of calmness just went over me and I'm like, Oh, all right. Well, I can just do this now. Like for me, um, look, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist and I was able to take it when I took the the pill. I was like, Oh, it's uh, it's amphetamines. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I could right, recognize right, right. the, <laughs> I recognize the feeling. So I guess, and I, it sucks because I always had that secret hope that that could fix it. Um, so the, what the good thing was that I could stay. You up. took one pill, you said, right, from like that your friend gave you, and so you had that kind of effect. Yeah, that might be. I might have taken a couple. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> at the same time, well, then, yeah, then maybe. Oh, no, no. No, not at the same time. Uh, no, but I mean, you tried one pill 
first by itself and then that's how you felt like you got like that extra energy like whoa yeah i think i started with a half dose and oh, then i tried okay. and then i tried a pill uh but i i immediately recognized like i i know this feeling i remember this feeling i like it give me more okay uh, and then the good thing was that i would i could stay up all night so what i would do was uh, i would just never write my paper and paper was due at eight in the morning and then the, you know start the day before like at 5 p.m and go turn it in at 7 59 right and disgusting like, like <laughs> cigarettes like maybe it would maybe help if you were to take it like as prescribed you know like take it like in the morning you know like when you're about to work you know or something you know so you can don't also not to fuck with your sleeping habit with your sleep you know schedule maybe um but, you know, but you're right, but maybe, maybe not. Because from what I've heard is that for most people that I guess do need it, you know, like do benefit, have that, like the reaction that I described, which is kind of like it calms you down. And then, you know, like I don't feel like, whoa, yeah, like I can do it. No, I'm just like, oh, calm and I can sit and I, I have more energy. I do feel more energized, but just, but I feel like almost energized, like, you know, like after you drink a coffee in the morning or something, you know, like mm. just focus and like, all right. And it's great. I'm jealous. I'm jealous and I'm not I'm jealous because you could focus, not jealous because you don't get to enjoy that sweet, sweet kick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But, I don't, but see, in my case, for example, what I what I'm still struggling to do is accept the fact that I cannot focus and work on the fact that I like to mix things and then just, you know, right. it has to move like a whirlwind. It has to be that way. Look, the thing for me, actually, and a, a big thing that helped me kind of figure it out too, because the other thing that I was thinking, I was thinking it may not be like attentional problems. It might just be that I have anxiety, not that, that, you know, the anxiety of work and writing, you know, stresses me out. And because of that, I can't focus. Right. And so I think that's a key thing to differentiate between, you know, you have a hard time focusing and that gives you anxiety or you have anxiety and that makes you, it keeps it hard to focus. Mm. The way you describe it, it sounds like it might be more that it's anxiety and stress. And then because of that, your mind goes all over the place. Whereas with me, it's the other way around. Well, it's a little bit of both, I think, but it's primarily, I struggle focusing and that stresses me out, gives me anxiety you know, and then I go all over. It, it makes the, obviously, the attentional problem worse. Hmm. Yeah. My initial reaction is to disagree, but then I'm trying to think of what happens. I definitely get more distracted and procrastinate a lot more on the internet when I have a deadline. There you go. Uh, yeah. And there are moments where I can just get into the flow, like that fucking moment when you go, uh, I don't know, you know, you go to the library and next thing you know, you're shaking. You're like, what the fuck? Like, oh, I haven't drank water since nine in the morning. But it didn't matter because you were there. You were excited. You were uh... so I, I can manage to do that. See, dude, like I don't, I don't do, like I can't do that. Like I don't. That's never really happened to me. Like naturally, like the only thing that does that to me basically is guitar, like guitar playing. That was the only thing, and also like growing up. Like I remember guitar playing was the only thing that captured my attention. That I could just be at my guitar playing for hours, learning a song. And then be like, oh, shit, I'm hungry. What the fuck? Oh, oh, right. Damn. Nothing else really in my life has made me that I can feel like in the groove like that. How's that going? Right now with the Rillin, it's great, man. It pisses me off to think like, 
damn dude like, i could have had this through grad school like i'd be <laughs> fucking successful you know more successful you know i'm doing pretty well but you know damn like i feel like imagine the shit i would have gotten done you know the time i've wasted um uh, and so i feel good you know it's it's helped me for sure because I'm, I'm more productive now and, and i'm more focused with my work and and my boss has definitely uh, gotten, you know, had better attitude with me. <laughs> you know, Brad, the, <laughs> the first year was like, why are you taking so long to get these things done? <laughs> right. Well, I think, I mean, the basic problem, and this is not my, this is not my joke. It's a, I think a Mitchell and Webb joke, but it's a, the problem with that is that some idiot decided to put the writing machine next to the everything machine. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Exactly. That's not very productive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, but like, it also helps, like I'm telling you, like the uh, like the behavioral stuff, you know, to try to change it and find ways to really work in discipline. And that helps like um, through therapy too, you know, like going to see a therapist to help you figure that stuff out uh, can go a long way. Are you going to therapy? Yep, 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 yep. I go to therapy once a week. Been going to therapy since for for over a year now, actually, since October of last year, November, pretty much. How's that going? It's going really well. It's going. I, I've liked. I've enjoyed it um, very much. I think it's been super helpful. You know, focused on a lot of different things. You know, obviously, first of all, I was started going to therapy to focus with the you know that big traumatic event that happened in October, November last year. Yeah. Um, and then um, also just with everything else, you know, managing stress, managing other long-term problems. It's a mix of focusing with on, you know, bigger issues that have, have probably been there for like a long time and also focusing on more of the moment things now too. And so it's been helpful. What's it like? As, I mean, because you're not a therapist, but you still had to had to go through the whole. Uh, right. And I can like do you, therapy. You did, you did your hours as a therapist. Yeah. 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 Like I'm trained as a, yeah, because I'm, I'm a clinical, I'm a clinical neuropsychologist. But through that training, like I did do therapy. I'm, I'm trained in that and I can do it. Like when I was in for internship, like I had several patients that I was, you know, therapizing. <laughs> That's a technical. I had this conversation with a with a friend that you didn't meet you would have met him if you've been at my wedding but you didn't nah fuck that um, <laughs> uh, and he's a he's a literature student oh, he sounds terrible he was talking to me about his therapy and we had this conversation about how uh, well first between somebody that studies literature and all you do is interpret right trying to it's obviously not the same thing but you find a way to look for things you know and we were talking about whether that can be an issue when the other person is trying to interpret your life. So on the one hand, whether one, you also are a master interpreter. And on the other, whether that changes the way you, like your narrative changes instinctively. You can't pull it out the same way because you're already going through that filter yourself. Does that make sense? A little bit. I think so. That was just thinking between literature and psychology, but you are directly there. So how would right. you turn that off or what's the, well, no, it's cause it's, you don't have to, like, it depends, you know, like, first of all, like what you describe right now, like that's not really something for him, you know, for like the patient to really worry about too much, you know, cause that's the therapist 
job to really be able to navigate these things is how they that's just kind of like extra worry and anxiety that's not really actually meaningful no because it's still... it, was, it was me not him that said it it was me definitely. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's very happy with his therapist no exactly because it's like well yeah you're right like you know the, the way it made it sound like you were describing it it's like almost like if if as a defense mechanism you know oh because i'm interpreting things you know i can't interpret more or something or it's going to be an obstacle in my you know process in therapy but like the therapist, if, if he or she is good at it, you know, should be able to notice these things and be able to go around them, you know, and work with the patient to go beyond, you know, those obstacles, you know, that it's described as an obstacle. No? And like with me, one is uh, I'm, I'm going into it with a very open mind, no, and I'm aware as much as I can of my own biases, right? And so, or like my own mental shortcuts that I'll do. And so I'm honest about that with my therapist and tell her like, look, this is kind of like what I'll be doing, you know, and, and I'm trying to work against that. Right. But it's obviously it helps that as a psychologist that we both can speak in uh, like direct terms, you know, and, and that's helpful, you know, like where she can, cause she can be very blunt with me and like tell me shit directly. And I get it, no, and I can get it immediately, and it hits me, and I'm like, "Fuck, I didn't think about it like that," you know. And I can see now these things, and the part is come that the, you know, it's not an issue because well, I trust her, no, like I'm trusting her judgment, and and if there's any time that I maybe disagree with her, uh, we will talk about it. But generally, we do have a good point of view. I mean, a good uh, like rapport, uh, and so. I think it. I think it, it. It enhances the therapy that we're both psychologists, you know, because she can just be more direct about a lot of things, and I can describe my issues also in very specific, you know, psych terms, you know, or behavioral terms, and then she can get it, you know, quicker. And and that that's. I think it helps more than it hinders. All right, I think it's something that I'm gonna have to figure out when I eventually go to therapy. Then, right? But like I'm telling you, but I think you. I think. Yeah, try not to worry too much about that <laughs> like just just maybe bring it up if you go to therapy about it but but you know have your therapist worry about that not you so much and then try to just get in it you know be in the present in the moment in therapy and be as honest as you can and whatever happens happens well that's not a problem for me i mean i'm not saying that i'm problem free you know me <laughs> 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 oh, <God. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever gone to therapy uh yeah remember we we had the same <laughs> we ended up choosing the same dude in san diego oh yes you're right all <laughs> oh, right it's like, hey my therapist looks like obama mine too <laughs> oh right uh well i had no point of reference but i always thought it was funny how we ended up looking for the same like uh, the same points, like that that it was behavioral, right? Um, but I, I mean, I only went to that was a very different state. It was very different. Yeah, that's like a lifetime ago. Yeah, I mean, at that time, I remember our conversations were, I have no problems. I'm, I feel like I'm ninety nine percent there. I'm almost there, making it to full happiness. And the only problem was obviously my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were, I, but I've never had a problem with with being open right other other people tend to have a problem 
fuck them. Like my boss asked me some sort of question. Uh, he asked me like a simple question and it was like, bam, I unloaded like <laughs> fucking years of trauma in like 15 seconds. He's like, damn, man. Like I just asked you like what you were doing for the holidays. <laughs> but that's that's my way of dealing with it, you know, keeping it on the surface because I noticed that it was starting to go deep. And uh, so it's no longer the case like when I was going to that therapist, but it was only like five sessions. It wasn't that much. Where, where, I mean, now it's the same. I'm happy and all of that. It's obviously, life is more difficult. Before, the only thing I had to worry about was just like having money to drink and, you know, getting laid and that's it. Right. The basics. Yeah. Um, whereas now, you know, uh, it's different. You have a relationship where I really want to have kids. And that's a big source of stress because of work. Right. Like I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care about work, but I, I want to have kids. So that's what's uh, that's what's pushing me. Because that's expensive. Yeah. Well, it's expensive, yes, but not as much as over there. Right. But still, that that's a big sort of stress, and it's a stress that I've never known because I was always free. I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll just go live on the street. Like I've always been. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> you're always okay with it. I think you've been my only friend that's been like yeah I can do that whatever it's like okay <laughs> it's nice it's a nice sort of freedom there. it sounds lovely it's just strange where you're 30 and all of a sudden you have to confront not having that and you've been able to live life like that forever it's like oh shit right uh, you know so I've been I've been thinking about that about therapy but uh i don't know i would have to find the mexican person here why because even if i because i could do it in french but it wouldn't be it's it's different it's cultural differences well maybe not necessarily mexican as long as you can get maybe somebody that speaks spanish no yeah well maybe latin american but not from spain well not from spain come on now (laughs) yeah no, I'm serious, man. It's it's uh No, yeah, I get it, I guess. But it's, it's very different. They're European. They're not they're not the same. I'm not saying it as yeah. a value judgment. It's just different. No, I know what you mean, but also like I think like I don't know. Like try not to worry about it too much right now. Like worry about it if it's a problem, you know, because ideally, ideally the therapist should be aware of those things, you know, and should try to be able to not make it awkward, you know, and make it comfortable for you anyway you know and if for example they maybe don't understand something you're saying because it's culturally uh different you but then you know hopefully you can explain it and then that's fine you know that's not a problem because i feel like it's like that that's like you're making new obstacles of shit that hasn't happened yet like fuck that dude just find a therapist and if it's a problem because they're from spain or or you know they don't get you culturally well then change and get a new therapist right but don't stop yourself before doing it like fuck that just, just get, just go see a therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to, uh, you know, this, this this part can be out if you want, but I wanted to ask you about that whole thing with your dad because at some point, um, I don't know if this is just my impression of this is real, but mm-hmm. in my mind, in the story that I tell myself, in the past, I think since I moved to France, um, my emotions are really a lot more on my skin, you know, and I. I seem to recall at some point having to make a conscious decision of feeling that yeah, I was either going to go numb or I was going to have to force myself to feel it. And I chose to not be numb, you know? Okay. And um, like all this shit with my family, I made it a point to 
not hide it. If people ask to not give euphemisms, to not go around it, to just say like, you know, this is what's going on. I don't like this. So it's always there. It's always there. And I find that like, I'm much more moved to tears at times, not necessarily because of happiness or sadness, just out of the strength of the emotions when talking about all these things. And this thing, like, at least keeps telling me that maybe, because uh, I haven't spoken to my dad in a long time, a long time. Right. And she keeps telling me that, like, why don't you talk to him? Like, why don't you try? Because this thing keeps coming up. Like, uh, for example, I, I, I lost some file in my, in my hard drive recently. I was doing this gift, very symbolic. I was doing this very, very beautiful gift for Elisa's parents. Uh, with photographs that I took and I accidentally erased the entire folder and it had taken me a long time and I was going to print a book for them for Christmas. Damn. Something that I would never do for my family. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, you fucked up, dude. Well, no, so I, you know, I got this, uh, I figured out a way to retrieve the information. I found it and I ended up saving a lot of information in the disc that I had erased a long time before. And there was a picture of my dad so I showed, I showed Elise and she's like, I had never seen your dad. Dang. Like I hadn't thought about it. Like she'd never seen a picture uh, of him. And I don't know. It was like, I think it was like two years ago. I had this moment where I was like, uh, I realized like that one of the things where, why this transition between like what I was telling you about, it's okay because those are the adults. And then all of a sudden now realizing that I'm the adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, why am I not there? Um, one of the big things that happened there was realizing that I always knew that I didn't have, like, the father figure to tell me what to do. But what I hadn't understood was that I had been forced to fill in that spot myself. Yeah. And that that was weird, like, to think that I had to become my own father and I'm not a good model for that. <laughs> and that puts a lot of pressure because I want to have healthy children. So, you know, it's this loop. Uh, and then, you know, this conversation with Elise about should I talk to my dad or not? Like the easy answer is yes. You know, worst that happens is you bury the hatchet. You got it out of your system. I mean, best that happens is that worst is that you could say you tried. But then I keep saying, like, I, I've already fucking tried. Like, I've tried at different ages. I tried uh, when I thought I was an adult and we had, like, a man-to-man talk and all that. And then I always decide that I just don't like him. Right. See, because the thing is, like, I'm, like w- w- what I'm hearing right now that I'm thinking, like, the, the, you said, you know, if should I talk to him or not? Like, should I? W- w- why is there a should? Like, w- what do you mean you should? What do you want? Like, do you want to or do you not want to? Like, why would you talk to him? Like, what's the point? Because I want to be healthy. I don't want to have that shit hanging there. But there's, I mean, the other part tells me, like, that's it. That's the, those cards you were dealt. What do you mean? What do you mean you want to be healthy? Like, what, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, and what, how, what do you think about talking to him will make you healthy? Well, oh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> just, uh. Yeah, see, because that's, that's the thing. I think you're, you're already off to a bad start, I feel. Because I think. You're putting a lot of expectations on talking to him or not because you're thinking because you want to be healthy. And it sounds like you're putting it on talking to him up like and that'll make you healthy or something like. But it no. depends, like, what, what are you thinking? What are you talking about? So the, the thing is that for the wedding, I, I didn't invite him. I didn't even tell him about the wedding. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and it was a question. I was wondering, like, should I do it? Should I not do it? The final decision. I, I mean, I would have been happy if none of the family had right. been here. But uh, <laughs> but the final decision came down to guilt. You know, uh, if I was an old man and uh, my only half intelligent child. <laughs> <laughs> was getting married uh you know it would break my heart to find out through other people you know because i have cousins on facebook yeah because it's one thing that you don't speak but it's like I, I could just imagine that heartbreak and that that hurt me to think that i could be possible of hurting somebody like that okay but then i would just kept thinking like, well you know it's too bad like I, it's it's either me or him so uh you know i have to protect myself right but then from there, you know, that kind of, it, it be, like it became this thing, like, why do I have, the same thing has always been, why do I have to be the adult? Why do I have to carry the guilt or the responsibility of making things right just so that I don't feel guilty, you know? Like, he's the one that's done the shitty job, and why am I feeling guilty for repaying him for his actions? Yeah. And then, like, what's the best case scenario, like, that I find out why he was a shitty, not, he wasn't shitty. He just was not there. Uh, but you know, like I don't see a solution. But I'm just, I, I know that if I stay on this path, he's gonna die, and then there's gonna be that thing hanging, and I don't want that thing. Like, should I have fixed it? Should I have not? Wait, 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 wait. So I'm still lost. Like, what thing hanging? Like, what, like, what, what's that thing? Well, it's strange to just not talk to your living father. Were you guys talking often before? There wasn't a fight. It was just a, like, I'm tired of this dude. I don't like him. No, but I mean, like, were you guys before, like, talking a lot? Like, it's not like you guys were often, you know, chatting and being friends. Well, we lived in the same city. Uh-huh. So, you know, it was sometimes we would see each other. But, yeah, no, we were never right. friends. We would never, I never had a great time. I don't remember ever having a great time with him. Right, right, right. So, and I so, think I just answered my question. <laughs> what, what, what ended up happening um, with the wedding? Did you tell him about your wedding or no? No, because I figured, um, like, it's already going to be hard enough with my mom and my brother. I'm not going to add a third dog to the fight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, like, that's, that's, like, there's already a 90% chance of disaster. Let's let's keep the other ten percent out of it, right? Because then they're gonna fight. So I decided not to tell him, and of course my mom. And you haven't talked to him since then either. Oh well, before that. Well, when was the last time you spoke with him? Uh, he called me once. I was already here in Paris, and um, I was pretty drunk. He called me like on a Friday, and I was drinking, and uh, I uh, I felt weird because I didn't expect it to destabilize me like that. Like, I left the bar, and uh, I went somewhere else, and I didn't say anything mean. I just kept it, like, a regular conversation. Like, yeah, well, you know, I live in Paris now. He's like, what the hell? Like, what happened? Like, I heard that you're over there with a girl. I was like, yeah, I'm over here now. You know me. just took a plane. Mm -hmm. And then I spoke to his wife, whom I really, really like. And I got annoyed at her because she was really, like, uh... I mean, she loves him, so she's trying to take care of him, she said. You should really talk to him. You shouldn't let this much time go by. 
but I got annoyed that I felt like I was being made to feel guilty. Right. Uh, yeah. No, that's yeah. That's tough because you 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 don't you shouldn't feel guilty like. But the only thing is, I do don't think about like it's not about being the adult here or anything like that. It's just do what you want to do. You know, if you think you'll be selfish, you know, like if you think you'll feel, it sounds like you would feel better just talking to him. You know, like if you think you'll feel better, is that that sounds like something you want to do? I'd say just do it. You know, and you know, and no. say whatever you want to say. No, that no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I have nothing to say. But it's, then, it's why? Just... Why? It's, it's. You do want to shut, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just. I. I don't want to hurt people. That's the thing. I imagine myself growing old and then having my son just cutting me out of. Uh, his life, my life, his life. Uh, so I feel guilty for that, but not not uh, just because I'm hurting a person. But as soon as I put it in terms of him and me, like, oh, fuck no, like, it's my life. And I don't know, like, I, I didn't do anything wrong. So no, I don't want to. I just, in my head, it's an unsolvable problem. And one of the two solutions is going to, you know, it's like, do you take 30% damage or 60% damage? So I'll take 30% damage. <laughs> and uh, that's it. But even that, like, no one's making you feel guilty, you know. You're feeling guilty because you wouldn't like that, you know. And, and because this is who you are, you know. You don't necessarily like to hurt people, you know. And it's, um, um, and because of that, you would want to talk to him because, because of that, because it would take care of this guilt that you have on yourself, you know, and it'll make you feel better. Um, I think you should do it. I don't think there's absolutely no harm from doing it. And if anything, like you said, yeah, like it'll either miraculously lead to some really good conversation that you you'll understand him in a way that you've never thought about before, or you know, it'll be a thing of like, oh shit, it's all exactly the same. Um, and then you can reassess at that point, reassess, you know, about be like, all right, it's still as crappy as before. I might be willing to still do this, maybe have an annual checkup with him just to do my part that you feel, you know, you should as a son or whatever you're thinking. Uh, or you'll be like, no, I was actually doing well without talking to him. I'm glad I did this as a reminder this is why I haven't talked to him. All right, bye. Yeah. You know, and that'll be that, that that's more like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, that's one thing that I'm very happy about uh, teaching myself as my own father is uh, <laughs> not not uh, doing shit for other people. Like if I don't like it, I don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think I think you just need that reassurance right now. You know, and I don't think that's a bad idea. Like it's like. You know, touch base just so you can be like, oh, shit. Yeah. All right. This, I, re I remember now this sucks. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then that's it. And then you'll, you'll feel good about it. You know, do you remember that time? I think we were in the fifth or sixth grade and we were walking home. <laughs> <laughs> and what? I don't know if you remember. No, no. Wait, what? <laughs> you just was walking home from the fifth and sixth grade, dude. That's like every Come on, day dude. that year. <laughs> it's a very clear image. <laughs> That was like Monday through Friday for two years. Like, what are you talking about? Well, it stayed in my head because I was so embarrassed. Like, uh, 
we were walking home from school. I think it was fifth grade or sixth grade. And we ran into him on the street. He honked. <laughs> yeah. And he picked us up. And uh, he was going to drive you to your house. And he left you on the boulevard. <laughs> and he kind of stopped. And you didn't get out. There were still like three more blocks to go. <laughs> I remember a little bit about that. And it's not like it's a giant boulevard. It's, it's, it's a tiny town, but still. Yeah. Uh, like he wouldn't go the extra three streets. And you like didn't go, and you're like, and then he's like, "Oh, you wanted me to take you all the way to your door." <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ! <laughs> like you picked us up, man. We were on the street. We were happy. <laughs> like you just made it like no, it's just weird and inconvenient yeah. almost. Like yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember a little bit. I remember, I remember, I remember the heat. Yeah, that we bumped into him and he picked us up. I don't remember that part too much. <laughs> I probably was just like, all right, Pedro's weird dad. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, nah, I should talk to him. Um, <laughs> did, but you, you fixed your shit, right? Or was it just a momentary fix? No, no, no. Yeah, to, 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 yeah, no. Actually, it's gotten a lot better, man. Like. For my parents, that when they got a divorce, you know, and I think it was really helpful for both of them, for sure. Um, and like my dad, you know, he got the, you know, the, the, the land next to the house, you know, and he built a, like a studio apartment there. And I don't know, man, it's been, I think it's been helpful because he benefited from that, you know, and he kind of just like let go of shit, you know, and he just seems... At least, obviously, it helps the distance, you know, and I don't really see him, like, how, how often do I see him? I see him, like, you know, once a year, you know? But, like, I don't know. Like, we've had, like, these last two years, aha, it's been basically the last year and a half, I guess. Um, but we've just had some real conversations, you know, where I kind of was just seeing him as a as a dude, you know, like, just as a guy. You know, and I asked them some stuff about, like, how it was, you know, growing up with him and, like, you know, and, like, why did he do certain things in a certain way, you know, why, why, why did he do those things? I also, like, asked stuff like, why didn't he ever leave, you know, like, he, you know, you know, the house was super stressful, you know, like, you know, the, the, him and my mom, you know, were terrible, you know, together and, and it's like, I, I don't know, because it, it dawned on me, like, I was like, he never left, though, you know, like, why did he leave? Like, why, why was he there? Like, why was he okay with that kind of living, you know, and just to talk to him like that and hear his stuff, you know, and without any judgment, you know, and, and just kind of hearing him as a guy, you know, like, it helped, you know, it, it, it helped me to see him, you know, like, I, I do believe that kind of he was trying to do the best he could but not knowing what to do you know and and with his own issues dealing with his own issues that he won't know how to deal with you know and obviously doing fucked up stuff you know he was no saint um but i get it he's still not my most favorite person in the world you know but it's like i'm able to at least let go of, of the things that annoyed me about him and kind of i can understand i'm like yeah you know like he did the best he could you know he just didn't know what he was doing, you know, and and now it doesn't bother me, you know, and he's not pissing me off right, right now, you know, like he's not telling me shit that annoys me. He's not bothering anybody really like 
in any direct way. And so, all right, it's okay. So then, you know, I, I look forward now to go home and spend some time with him to talk. And, and there's also obviously that part of like, well, you know, I feel like I have to, right? Like it's also feels bad to not see him because I know he'll feel sad. And, you know, there is that little bit of guilt, you know, but I do feel, you know, what I tell myself is like, um, it's the least I can do, you know, and, and it's not terrible. I have enjoyed, you know, talking to him now more and learning stuff from about him. Um, but I mean, and like how I feel like, you know, but at least with him in my situation, it's like, well, you know what, but he never left, right? He was always there. He wasn't emotionally available, right? But like he was there and he always provided, you know, like, I can't say I went without, you know, like he was always working his ass off. And like, you know, he got me my first guitar, you know, he got me, you know, plenty of video games and stuff like that. Obviously, my mom helped with all of that. I know it's not just, you know, I know it's not like him out of the kindness of his own heart, but he did provide, he he paid, he, he provided all the money for all that stuff, you know? And, and I'm like, I, I'm appreciative of that at least now, you know, I'm like, hey, you know what? I had clothes fed and, you know, entertained. All right. I can at least reciprocate with that kind of respect because he never abandoned. He never left us. He, he never just left my mom to fend for us, you know, by herself or anything at all. It's just like, all right, cool. Do you, uh, do you recognize parts of him in you or? Um, yeah, I think a few things for sure. Well, and I think, um, and there, well, there's things I've recognized in him from a long time ago that are me, but like the good, you know, the good things about him, you know, because, because to be honest, like my dad, you know, um, if you get a chance to hang out with my dad, you know, like in a social setting, my dad's fun, you know, like my dad is, he's funny, you know, like my dad can be very funny and can be very sociable and, and I, I feel like, oh, I got that from my dad, you know, I know I'm much more outgoing, you know, and I know like in social settings, I can, you know, be sociable, you know, and make fucking jokes and shit, you know, and, and, and I know I got that from him, you know, that's how he is. And, you know, and, and he loves to cook and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I got, he like really loves food and shit, you know, like, well, he's fat. No, <laughs> so he loves food too much, <laughs> you know, but like, I got that from him too you know so there's those things in terms of the negative things i guess i don't know like um i don't know i think you know maybe some of my stubbornness probably comes you know from him too you know like right i get the thing where uh, i get annoyed when i recognize parts of him in me because i've never seen him as a good role model right and there's what sucks is that when there's there's parts of me that I like, which are things that I hate in him. That's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> like what things? What things do you do you recognize that you guys share? Um, like the scatterbrain. Well, he's a, he's a dick, right? So you're like you're both dicks. <laughs> this like things that I had never paid attention to before, but this idea of. Uh, wanting to build things from scratch and being able to waste so much time obsessing about something. I remember I used to get angry at him, be like, why are you doing this shit? The amount of money that you're spending on doing this, you could be doing it in a different way and saving money. But for example, he, he built his own office. I don't know if you remember that in place. Like sometimes I would go there to help. Yeah. Like from scratch. 
like from the floor built the fucking building. <laughs> God damn. Like electricity and plumbing and, and this was before YouTube and he would go to Home Depot on the weekends <laughs> and like ask the Home Depot guys like how do you do this? And they would like give him some some tutorial and he would go over and do that. <laughs> And I would be so annoyed at that. That sounds like something you would do. That's what I do right now, man. <laughs> and I love that about myself. Because yeah. I like I feel like that that, <laughs> that makes me invincible because it makes me feel like uh that's why I applied to the tech company. Because I, I know that even if I don't have a diploma for something, I've done so many different unrelated weird shit that I trust myself to be able to learn almost anything. Not of course, there's limits and and time and all that. Right. But, right, right, right. But I trust myself, like, and I'm, yeah. I have a lot of confidence in that, and that's what you get from that. So, like, I built our kitchen table. It's fucking wobbly. It's beautiful, but very wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then after that, I built the the bookshelf, and there wasn't like an extra screw or anything, like down to like you know, and I cut it using cigarette cartons to measure like really uh diy <laughs> and uh and it worked perfectly things like that but those are the things that i still remember being annoyed by about him yeah yeah well because i think it's it's different not like, i don't know why i can't appreciate that in him well because he did it at the expense of being a dad no that's that's the different part like you're doing it it's not really necessarily at the expense of anything other than your time you know and and that's it but like I feel he didn't like that he did that because he wasn't paying attention to you, you know, and your home and your family, you know, because he was just, he pre he preferred those projects. They were okay? divorced, but it was the money. They were divorced, but it was, yeah, it was the idea of him never having money because he was doing shit. Like yeah, that. exactly. Because he wasn't like, he wasn't really like providing, no, like for you and, and your family. That was your mom. Oh, no. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So, so that's, so that's, that's shitty, you know, and that's different. You know, so like you won't do that. And so that's a good thing, you know, like, yeah, he has these good qualities that he used them in the wrong setting. That's so easy. And I feel so stupid that I never put it that way. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> you just took a giant load off of my, uh, whoo. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. It's been like a year that I've been carrying that shit. Why? Why? I've been telling yeah. him we gotta talk, we gotta catch up. But you're like, hey, <laughs> you photographs and oh no, this and dude, my fucking cat stick. Don't put my cat into this. Love him. <laughs> Come on. All right. So uh, these are the these are the titles. Well, there's no titles, but these are the things we've talked about. Hmm. We've hmm. talked about Ritalin. <laughs> We talked about writing. We talked about amphetamines, therapy, cat pee, <laughs> PhDs. Yeah, work-life balance. Yeah. New York and Paris. Right. Uh, yeah, the work, free time, and dads. Dads. Yeah. Those are good themes. Yeah, I can't come up with a good title. <sighs> this is the first. <laughs> There's so much. <laughs> Uh, and you're the writer, dude. <laughs> you're, you're the more creative guy here, so you, you do that. I'm thinking, I'm not good at naming shit. Yeah, your your cats are a good example. Dude, of that. my cat's names are fantastic. <laughs> Esteban and Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking, I don't know what. Do, do you have any cats? 
Do you have pets? No, we have a problem with gnats right now in my pepper plant. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's not at all the same, but it's okay. I'm glad you shared. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Esteban's fucking cool as shit. Um, Which was the one with the with the asshole face? <laughs> That's Esteban. No, <laughs> it's just one that looks like he's always judging you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the one, but he's not. He's a love bug. He's he's awesome. Uh, so name name of the episode is uh, actually given all this stuff and dads and all that. I like the I like the idea of love bug. We have gnats, <laughs> we have cats, <laughs> and dads, and it rhymes: gnats, cats, and dads. <laughs> done. There it is. <laughs> Fucking. Beautiful. See, we just needed to riff a little bit more, and then that's it. Done. <laughs> okay. Well, you want to sign us off? Do you remember the name of the show, right? I, Jesus Christ, no, I don't remember at all. <laughs> you look at my notes. It's rule number one. <laughs> Rich, Rich chocolatey, chocolatey goodness. goodness. All right. Thanks for listening. Rich Chocolatey Goodness is produced by ourselves, Benjamin Morse and Pedro Escobar. Very special thank you to this episode's guest, Miguel, who you can probably find on the internet yourself with very minimal effort. Marco Moreno made the music all by himself, and then Pedro selfishly added Stylophone and his name to the work. Photos, links, and account handles which we forgot to include in this episode can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Rich Chocolatey Goodness. Be sure to follow us to get all the rich chocolatey updates and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify for brand new goodness delivered to you every other Sunday. And if you like what you heard, please leave a comment and rating. We read and respond to each and every one. We just can't help ourselves. Mm-hmm.